Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always, I am joined by Ben Bergeron. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. How are you, Ben? Phenomenal. Fantastical. Uh, we have a wonderful show, as we all, uh, as we always do here, uh, full of good questions from listeners. We're going to jump right in. You're going to steal my pen right off the bat, huh? <laughs> I already had a thought. <laughs> uh, we're going to jump right in to our warm-up, uh, which is how we start each episode. We do it with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect your performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, we connect, and how we recover. Let us, as we always do, jump into the move category. And this question is from Anastasia. How do you overcome weightlifting fear? I've been doing CrossFit for three years. I got to an intermediate weights and I'm stuck because I'm scared. We did uh, we did an eight-week lifting cycle. And at the end of the last two cycles, I did not get a PR. Now we are doing our snatch cycle. And I love snatching as I have great mobility, but I couldn't lift more than 95% because I am scared. I just want to get a PB so badly that I pressure myself on how important it is for me. And then I, get, uh, and then I got so scared that I can't get under the bar. Uh, and my previous failed cycles are messing with my mindset. I've never felt this before. I usually go, uh, usually just go for it until I fail a few times, and then I know I can't lift it. Yeah, uh, a really concrete, actionable answer here. Um, stolen from Chinese weightlifting methodology, which is overloading. Mm. So let's take the example of um, a, a squat. You know, just to use that and I'll come back to the snatch. Well, if the most, if, if you can um, squat 400 pounds and you're trying to squat 405, well, that first attempt at 405 also coincides with the most weight that has ever been on your back. Your body's going to freak out. It's, it's not your fault. Like your body is going like... <laughs> Yeah. What the hell are you? And even before you put it on your back, in this case, the snatch, you know, your body knows that's more. You're telling me this is what your mind's doing. You're telling me you're going to throw this thing up in the air, wedge yourself between this weight in free fall and the ground and catch it. I'm out. No <laughs> yep. way. No, thank you. Yep. So you have to not have that be the case. So what you do is you do overloads. So for the squat, it would be rack walkouts. If you can squat 400 pounds, mm. you're going to train walking out 400 to 480 Literally pounds. Just put it on your shoulders. Put it on your shoulders. Stand up. Stand up. Take back. two steps back, okay. two steps forward. Maybe a little quarter squat, maybe a couple little bounces. So you get to feel your body, your CNS doesn't now freak out when that weight's on the bar. For the snatch, it's the same thing. If your best is 200 pounds in the snatch, you're going to put 220 240, maybe even 260 pounds and do some deadlifts with that. Mm, yep. So you get used to that snatch grip deadlift, way heavier than you've ever lifted. Your body then goes to lift to 200. It goes, check, I got this. I've I've seen way heavier than this. Similar, that's not enough. You now have to get that thing above your head. So you're going to do overhead squats with that overloaded weight. This is the purpose of overhead squats. If you can do it with overhead squats, 
then we're going to do it with snatch balances. You should be able to snatch balance 20 to 30% over your actual snatch weight. This is how you get there. Forget about all the things of pulling off the ground, the technique of finding the second pull and vertical extension through the hips and keeping the bar close and that aggressive turnover and punch. Just put it from your back rack to overhead while working through a squat. Then with all of those in place, now we start to feel a little more comfortable because we've been there before. Not all together, but we've been there before and your body won't freak out. It's called overloading? Call it whatever you want. Call it whatever you want. There you go. Love it. Uh, next question is from Angela, uh, Angeline, sorry, uh, in our Think Factor. I'm working full-time as a dentist and training for a half Ironman while doing comp train 60. I am aware that I have to sacrifice strength and gains for CrossFit at the moment, but I'm wondering how to balance it all. Should I do the comp train first and uh, or Ironman programming first in a day? Mentally, it can get exhausting. And the last bit is why I added it to the Think Factor. Mentally, uh, it can get exhausting. Mentally, it can get exhausting. Okay. Uh, interesting. It's in the think category though. Cause I don't think it's a thinking thing. <laughs> I think it's exhausting. <laughs> Roger that <laughs> like you're doing, you're training for a half Ironman and doing the comp train 60 program, which by the way, means that you can get done 60 minutes. So on comp train on the app, there's, um, uh, three different protocols you can do in 60 minutes, two hours or three hours based on how much time do you have to train today? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, really good, really effective training program. You get done in an hour, which is usually enough for anyone to stay very, very, very fit. If you want to do that while also training for a half Ironman, there has to be some give and take. And they're already alluding to that. Like they're willing to give up some of the top end fitness and strength numbers to be able to do the, the half. The question I would need to have answered before I could give a really good answer to this is how important and how well do you want to do in this half Ironman? Mm. If it's compete to complete, you don't care if it takes you six and a half, seven or eight hours, then yeah, I would do the comp train stuff first because I believe that it's better for your overall health and then supplement it with some extra, depending on how much time you have as well, do an extra 40 minutes to an hour of swim, bike, run, just rinse, wash, repeat through that as the stuff comes out after the, the comp train 60 stuff. If you want to do... Um, under a five and a half hour half, or you want to place in your age group, or this is really important to you, you want to qualify for uh, a full or worlds or something like that, then it's a really different program. Then you're following in, you should be following an Ironman training program mm-hmm. and supplementing a couple days a week with some Metcons, not even the full, comp- you shouldn't be doing the full conference 60 stuff. It's too much. Just a couple days of some extra strength and um, um, conditioning pieces just to keep um, th- that, that, that vibrance, that vitality, that strength, that power piece there. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but first a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, BetterHelp. Here on the show, we are obviously big fans of self-development. We're big on reading the books, watching the films, listening to the podcasts that can help us be better and become more fulfilled. But sometimes self-help isn't enough. Sometimes we need other help. We need somebody who isn't us to pull us out of our bad habits, to point out our blind spots, to ask us the questions we are not comfortable asking ourselves, and then who give us the space and time to come up with the answers we need. Books, films, podcasts are amazing, but sometimes we need to go deeper. We need to get personal. That's what BetterHelp can do. They're the world's largest platform for virtual therapy. After a short questionnaire, BetterHelp will pair you with one of their licensed professionals. So if you want to live a more empowered life, 
therapy can help get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash excellence and get 10% off your first month. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash excellence. Next question. Uh, I put it in the e category. It could probably move to one or one or another. Uh, I've been Musical doing, chairs with yeah, our five exactly. factors. I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years. I'm in my mid-30s. Recently, uh, in the last six months, I started dialing in my sleep to get seven or eight hours a night, dialing in food, meat and veggies, carbs, just to fuel my workout. I'm at the gym three to four times a week, working on getting there four to five times. I've noticed a difference during workouts, but my body composition fat percentage seems barely impacted in the last six months. This has been a theme in my fitness journey that regardless of how good my diet is, my body fat percentage won't get below 25%. Is there something else that could be impacting my gains uh, or impacting gains? Maybe worth getting a full blood test or is it just, uh, is just a thing that takes two to three years? Okay, so this is going to be... Um the harsh answer. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not take two to three years. And um, from what I just heard, I think the person is overestimating how well they're eating um, and overestimating how much time they're actually training. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get it. You're doing meat, produce, and carbs to sustain activity. Well, let's find out what the number is. Yeah. How do you know that? Like we need to, like, we need to dial it in. What's, if you're serious about this, getting below 25% and you feel like you're doing everything you can to the point where you think you need a blood test to figure this out. My contention is I don't think you're doing everything you can. Mm -hmm. I think that you're actually, um, just scratching the surface. What I mean by that is it doesn't sound like there's macros involved. Like they're eating enough protein and just enough to sustain. They, they didn't say I'm, I'm eating a hundred and. I mean, underneath 100 grams of carbohydrates, I'm doing, that'd be the first one. And the next one is, I don't think the activity level is very high. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing comes down to body composition is how much and what are you eating, that quality and quantity, and what is your activity factor? Mm-hmm. That's the real thing. There is a third little thing, which I'll get to in a second, but that's the thing. My contention is, I don't think this person is as dialed with their nutrition as they, no matter how clean I eat, I don't lose body fat. I don't believe that. Have you done pure macros based off of just purely super, super clean eating? I don't think, I think with a no activity level, I think that you would drop body fat. If not, then probably time for a blood test. But let's also, I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years, dot, 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 three to four times a week. Mm -hmm. That's not the prescription. Mm -hmm. You're not doing CrossFit. You are participating tangentially. You're jumping in here or there. There's 168 hours in a week. A CrossFit workout takes 15 minutes. You're doing 45 minutes a week of physical activity. Mm. So what is the other activities that you're, that's not enough. If you want those results, if you want to get, you got to put in more work than that. You can't get it in three CrossFit workouts a week. The prescription is five or six days a week. That's the prescription. And then from there, it's play and learn new sports. So what that means is you're doing CrossFit up to six times a week and you're also playing um, soccer, women's, a women's soccer league three nights a week and then going for hikes on the weekends, like hiking 10 miles. That's the healthy prescription. So mm-hmm. if it's you've been doing this for 10 years, three days a week, you're not working out enough. 
Next question is in the recover bucket. I'm trying to get fully back into CrossFit after going through some rotator cuff and knee injuries that have limited my ability to do many functional movements. My question is, how do you recommend I get back into CrossFit, hopefully back to RX someday, while dealing with multiple injuries and movement limitations? Yeah, so um, that's a challenge, especially for people that like this is a big part of their lives and it's tied to their identity. Um, it's where they get a lot of the, the feel goods and the hormonal response that makes us feel like humans. So I get it. Um, the goal, number one, I've talked about this in recent podcasts, the number one goal is range of motion. Mm. You got to get back to functional ranges of motion. So spend the time in the gym focused on that. Meaning, can you get to an unweighted pain-free air squat? Can you get to a unweighted pain-free PVC pipe shoulder overhead press? If you got those two things, I'm always going to go to those things. It's the hips below parallel. It's the shoulders, full range of motion above, above the head. If you got those two things, then we can start to load them, right? That we can start to get a little bit. And it's the same. The best rehab protocol is the functional movements. Now mm. you have a massive, massive discrepancy or imbalance. We can fix that. That's not the case for most people. Most people have just lost the functionality, uh, the, the full range of motion component of functional movements. So we have to restore that. And we do whatever we can to do it, meaning it's um, partial squats, it's supported squats, it's counterbalance squats, meaning you're holding a 10-pound plate in front of you, it's heel-elevated squats, it's whatever we can do to get ourselves into that uh, appropriate squat position. And then you just baby step away from it. So if it's assisted, you just go less and less assisted. If it's you're starting off holding a 25-pound plate in front of you, then you go to 15, then you go to 10, then you go to 5, then you go to none. If it's heels elevated and the heels are on a 45-pound plate, then it's to a 35. You just slowly spring yourself back down. But it's that baby step to get back to full range of motion. Once you have full range of motion, it's kind of like once that lever comes back to normal, then the load comes up on the other side. It's a very slow path back up. Yep. Is it, uh, and maybe I'm harping on this uh, and it's not necessary, but the hopefully getting back to RX someday, is that a useful goal to set? If Assuming that we're in a place where we're like, we've got to get full range of motion back first. Is the, gosh, I hope I get back to RX someday more a detriment, more uh, a barrier to doing the hard, slow, tedious work that you're describing? Or is it good to have that sort of like, yeah, it might be a year away, two years away, but like, that's what I'm shooting for. Uh, it's a bigger discussion about goals in general. Goals serve a purpose for the appropriate people at the appropriate times. So they can be detrimental. So, um, but other people, it's the thing that get like doctor said, I'm never going to walk again. Like F that doctor, I'm going to prove them wrong. And that's the goal. That's what keeps in that drive, right? That's a great, awesome intrinsic motive. That's amazing. Like I'm going to go and do this. Like I want to get back to being able to, you know, I spent a long time without fitness goals this year. This year, for the first time in a mm. long time, I've created fitness goals because mm -hmm. I felt like I needed that spark. I mm -hmm. felt like I've fallen in terms of the the my different levels of where I found that balance between all the different roles in my life. I felt like the fitness one had slid off enough to where I was like, I need to like get some concrete. It's It puts um, power to the process. Mm -hmm. These are the things I need to know if I'm on track or not, much like the whole process in general of like, you know, you got your... Um, your career, your health, your relationships, your hobbies, your spiritual, like you want that in balance. Well, what is a balanced 
approach, what do you feel like the, that's a goal, mm -hmm. just like the goal of, um, you know, getting back to RX rates. I don't think it's, as long as it's the type of thing that uh, doesn't um, derail you because you are frustrated with the slow process. Got it. All right. Last question we've got is in our connect bucket. I work in a hospital and it's hard for me to maintain compassion with my patients when I know that it was their own choices that led them to their hospitalization, eating processed foods, smoking unhealthy lifestyles, et cetera. I even once had a patient who just suffered a massive heart attack ask me to bring him chips and a soda. How does one maintain compassion and kindness while simultaneously holding people accountable to their own actions? That's a great question. Yeah. They don't know what you know. I, I get it. Like, you know how um, horrifically detrimental poor food choices is to people's lives to the point where they are now bedridden in front of you because of those life choices. They don't know that and or their entire lives have been set up for them to not be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's giving people forgiveness. And it's a really hard thing to do. I think it's probably the hardest thing to do in the world is give people forgiveness. So I'll just do the, I'll, sh I'll share the extreme example of forgiveness, which is um, there was a woman who's, son that she was very close with was, was murdered. She, the murderer was convicted, admitted to the crime. And the woman met the killer of her son and forgave him, created an incredibly, not only forgave him, brought him under her wing with all of the compassion, understanding the world, ended up loving the murderer and adopting him mm. as her own son. Mm -hmm. She is now his mother. That is the, like, if there's any place that I would have a really hard time forgiving someone, it would be that. So that level of compassion and forgiveness exists on planet Earth. That's what I'm saying. That's the high watermark. I'm nowhere near that. Um, the person asking this question is also nowhere near that because they're getting upset and frustrated for people eating chips. Like we have to have a, what the person that mother said was it wasn't his fault. He didn't know better because of the way that he was raised. Mm. He was brought up in an environment that this led him to these choices. We're products of our environments. So it's the same thing with people that don't make the healthy choices is even if they've seen on the news, even if they've heard from you, it's still not enough to outweigh their programming. Mm -hmm. And their programming is, this is my life. This is the, this is the way it, it works. I can't break the pattern because they also didn't grow up with enough discipline of what the meaning of willpower is. There's so many different factors that come into the way that people operate inside the world. And if you, I kind of like the thing of saying, it's like, um, I am never a victim, but I'm willing to see everyone else as one. Mm. 
which is mm. I don't fault you at all for the way that you are because you are just a product of your environment. It's not your fault, but I'm going to take total ownership to try to make myself as best as I possibly can. That's though. It's a very stoic approach to, um, Marcus Aurelius has a, a quote that's so much better than the one that, um, uh, it's be, um, compassionate with others, but strict with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So for this person, yeah, like your job is not to necessarily get them to, it's certainly not to get frustrated with them for their food choices. It's to be compassionate with them and take care of them while they're here in front of you. And through that care and compassion, maybe then you can, maybe for somebody there, you could be um, a guide, a mentor, a teacher. Mm-hmm. Love that. All right. That was our warm up. If you guys want to get a question in the queue, find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM. I'll add it to our list. We'll get into a future episode. Okay, right back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, Miracle Made. Want the secret to more fitness, more patience, and more productivity? It's more sleep. You know this. That's why we're excited to partner with Miracle Made Sheets. Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics that were originally developed by NASA to aid in thermoregulation and that are designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, resulting in an over 30% improvement to your sleep. Not only that, but the natural silver prevents 99.9% of bacterial growth, so your sheets stay cleaner three times longer than your boring old sheets that no astronaut would be caught dead sleeping in. Go to trimiracle.com slash excellence to get yours. If you do, not only will you be getting 40% off by using the code excellence, they'll even throw in three free towels. They're so confident you'll love these sheets that they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you've got nothing to lose but that groggy feeling in the morning that comes after a bad night of sleep. Head to trimiracle.com slash excellence and be sure to use the code excellence to save 40%. Time for our workout. Workout is just when we spend 15 or 20 or 30 minutes uh, deep diving on a particular subject. This time around, we're going to kind of revisit something that we did in a cool down. Uh, The episode came out in November, so it's a couple months ago. Uh, In the cool down, I forget exactly what the trigger for it was, but basically it was something about like what questions do you ask to make sure that you're making the right decisions or how do you kind of filter big, big decisions to make sure that you're moving in the right direction. And so I shared uh, in that episode what I just call the five big questions, which are relatively new for me. And so, uh, uh, so two things. One, we, it was a cool down, so we had like five minutes, and like it would have been fun to dive into it. So I wanted to bring that back. So and let's actually dive. Get, yeah, let's, let's get do it. wet. And then the second thing is, I I kind of piece these things together. Uh, actually, <laughs> in the process of the twelve-hour walk, which we did oh. in September-ish of last year, these were kind of the questions that I kept circling back on. One of them, because cool. literally it was the question that he's like that Colin the O'Brady, the guy who wrote the book, he's like, ask yourself this question, and and so I, that question was on my mind. But as I was doing that, as I was doing the walk, I kept surfacing back with some other really big questions, and so I put them together. And in probably not long after September, and then again at the new year, I sat down and gave myself an hour to kind of think through, ask these questions of myself, come up with whatever answers I might have. And so this is kind of what, this is my, the beginnings of a uh, 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 three, maybe, maybe longer, but three month kind of check-in. 
look at the answers from last time. Mm. Does that feel right? Am I, am I moving in this direction? Do I feel like some things have changed? And so, um, so I was really just excited to have this conversation with you just because, because this is new, I might not have the right five questions. I might have in the right ballpark, but like, well, maybe this is the right variant of that kind of question. So I just want to kind of share the questions and have a conversation around them just honestly, selfishly. So that the next time I sit down to do this, I'll be a little bit further along. And so, uh, I'm going to read the five questions, and I actually have sub-questions in each one of these questions. I'd love to talk to you mostly about the big macro question, but I'm going to give the kind of the sub-questions in there too because I found them to be really helpful. Mm. So question number one is how do I define success? And then the sub-questions – and these this the sub-questions are what I really – thought about on the walk. Um, cause they, they're the ones that got me to a place of, mm. of trying to understand. And so the first, the first question, how do I define success? The sub questions are, how am I actively getting in the way of this success happening? And what single action am I going to take to get out of my own way? And so those two sub questions are the same for each one of these big questions. Give them to me again. What's the sub questions again? Uh, how am I actively getting in the way how of this success? Actively getting in the yeah. way. Cool. And then what single action am I going to take or am I taking to get out of my own way? Mm. Um, okay, so those are the sub-questions for each of these. But the big questions, how do I define success? What impact do I want to have? What problem do I want to solve? What is my personal Everest? And that was the one from the 12-hour walk yep. book. And then the last one is, uh, what do I consider to be enough? And so okay. uh, you, can, you tell me where you want to dive. Well, here's uh, – I find it necessary to ask the multiple questions to paint the appropriate picture. Okay. I don't think it's much like uh, we do it with the business that you're involved in. There isn't one singular mission statement, right? We have a a purpose statement, which is our why. We have a BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal. We have and we have our mission, which is who we. Um, what we do, who we do it for, and what's our differentiators. And we have a three-year picture of what this thing going to look like in a th few – three. so we have the same thing, four or five different things that then create together – Yeah, that paint the entire picture. Yeah, yeah. it's the same thing. I, that's why I like this, these big five. It's a very similar approach to, um, again, together – you know, I, I may have to get to the very last thing, which is – um, what purpose do they serve type thing, mm. which is, I think that's answered in the intro to our show. Okay. Are you chasing what truly matters? Yep. 100%. That's the deal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's. And which is very similar. I think what the, the spark, the question was originally was like, how do I know, or what kind of questions can I ask myself to know yeah, that's if it. I am chasing what really matters? That's, yeah. these are, these are. These are five, whether the right five or not doesn't matter as much yeah. as are you asking yourself a few questions to start to go well. My north star is over there, right? You never actually have to hit your north star. You're just trying to always because it's not. It's about the seeking. Huh? It's about the chasing, mm -hmm. right? We. It's about the actively going and doing the work in line with the vision. That's the whole thing. So whether that North Star is off three degrees or four degrees this way isn't as important as do you have the North Star? And these five questions are are, are certainly um, compelling enough to get us to, to map that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what, what I think about there is I think it's, it's a two-part, probably more than that, but two-part process. One is first identifying 
where you're trying to get to. And then the next step is consistently making the choices that you need to make in order to move towards them, right? Because I think it's it's really easy to just say like, there, that's what I want. Like that's success to me. And then kind of leave it at that, you know, you know, wipe your hands and say, gosh, I hope I get there. But unless you start, and which is why I really like these questions and I like the process of sitting down and actually thinking about them. If, unless you start figuring out like, what are the choices that I need to make mm-hmm. to move me toward that particular thing, toward this life that I want to live, that, that I want to live, then you're just left to hope. And you're left to, to hope that the universe gives you the nudges it, you hope, you know, you need to move in the direction versus what this process is, is to say, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to orient myself I'm not going to let anybody else do it. I'm not going to let right. hope do it. I'm not going to let s- culture, society, my parents, whatever else, tell me which is the right roads to take. That's for me to figure out. That's for me to make the mistake or not make the mistake in moving down. But I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to make the choice. So what what we're working through is our framework of awareness, intention, and action. Yep. And the awareness is of where my where, north star is. Where am I trying to get to? Yep. And then the intention is these are the choices I'm going to make, and the action is following through with those choices. And what's real? I so big fan of the questions, big fan of the framework. And yes, it unless we get to the actual place where we're taking action and taking the steps forward, we're we're really haven't done a whole lot. Dot dot. dot. Because maybe, <laughs> maybe right? Yeah. Because when you put your stamp on something, you go, this is what I want. This is what I'm chasing. What ends up happening, even without the other stuff you said, it's not about hope or like letting the universe nudge you along the way. But once you create that awareness of this is what I'm chasing, you become aware of the universe actually nudging before it just did it and you didn't notice it. Yeah. Right. It would be like, um, being at a concert and of course, when you're at a concert, people are going to bump like a big, big, big concert and, you know, open room standing when everyone's going to be bumping shoulders with everybody. You don't even notice it anymore. But if you go and you just watch one person mm. and you stare at that one person yeah. and you see that person, all of a sudden you'll, you'll, you really notice every single time that one person does it, yeah. you become aware of the things you're aware of. I mean, it's the most, so what we need to do first and foremost is do the work of answering these questions. So I, what I you said uh, earlier that um, part of the process was going back and looking at them. That, yeah. that to me says that you wrote them down. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Which is just how I think. Like I, I let's hear yours. Do you have, uh, do you, I'll do give you actually, you, yeah, I'll give you some. Do you actually know sure. them? Like do, um, do you have I've, them in front I've of got you? them listed. Yeah, of course. Oh, you're prepared. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I'll do a couple of them. Um, I'll dive into the first one, the success one. Cause, uh, and then I'll share, I'll, 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 I don't have mine written down, but, um, I yeah. feel like I can I conceptualize them. I'm sure you for, can. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'll give, I'll give my success one. Um, success is our ability to spend two to three months in a different city every year without stressing, stressing out over financial health or our work to the point that it feels like a real sacrifice. This has been, to me, this has been the thing like that's always been in the back of my mind. Like, that's what I want to be able to do. Like, or you know this, mm-hmm. I, I live in the woods in Maine and I absolutely love it. But I des- like I deeply miss living in in and around the city, and so for years now, my like my my dream, my which is why that's this has been like cool. Let's get ourselves to a place where every year, maybe in the winter, we can just kind of pick up and go live for two months in Denver or 
whatever, some, somewhere in Europe. And quite frankly, for a long time, it was just like, gosh, that'd be fun someday. But now it's like, what do I need to do in the next three to five years to get us to a place that we can actually do that? Where it's not like we're doing it, but this screws everything else up. But like, no, we get to do this and we get to have fun with it and we get to do it often and ongoing as the boys grow up and, and get older. So to me, if, if that happens, all everything that needs to be in place for that to happen is success, is, is me at a place of success. Love it. Yeah. I love the, the concreteness of like, you actually know if you've gotten it or yes. not. Yeah. Which to, I don't know, which is, I guess part of the question, which is like, is that to me, that's useful to yeah. me. That's valuable to yeah. actually literally see that in my mind yeah. of being able to do that, of us being able to do that is better than, I don't even know what, like whatever other version of, yeah. Oh, even similar in the same vein. Well, mine's, mine's the opposite. Okay, cool. So, like, good. That's yeah. what I, that's what I like. I yeah. Like so because, um, I've set up myself for, um, um, sort of, uh, very definable metrics. Whereas like, if I cross this finish line, that will be success. Yeah. And what I've found is that's a little bit of the finite game mm. where you think, you know, what success and happiness and well being you're going to feel amazing when you get there. And that's not the case. Yeah. So the way that I think of this, and I've shared this before on this podcast is it has to be to me at the true finish line, which is our mm. deathbed. Yep. And success to me is the ability to look back on my life and go, I did it. I'm happy with where I spent my time, the decisions I made and uh, the life that I have built. Shortcut answer that is, a fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. And for that to happen, I can't defer anything along the way. So I can't defer um, anything I'm doing right now, bust my ass to create the financial, in your case, like not that you're just wrong because I love that, yeah. but to bust my ass right now to create the financial security to be able to go and do those trips when I do there. I've set myself up with earning um, um, potentials that I've exceeded. And when I get there, it's, I'm like, oh my gosh, now that it's, it's not a success because there's just, it just gets moved yep. immediately. Yep. So to me, what is absolute, what is the true thing? It has to be the totality of our lives. And really it's the peace of mind, the well-being of, I am so um, satisfied with the way that that time was spent. Mm-hmm. And the other part, you don't know, when, is that going to happen tomorrow or is that going to happen um, in 150 years? So it's this thing that always is pulling on every moment right now becomes a little more urgent in the best sense. Mm -hmm. You have to maximize minutes. Mm -hmm. Love that. Um, Let's do just because I think I think it's fun and I think it's probably useful to hear other people's answers to these um, before you sit down and answer them yourself. So let's do the second one, um, since there are a couple that I actually don't have great answers for. So I'm I'm not skirting them when we get there, but there are things that I'm still trying to figure out how to how I answer these. But the second one, how, what impact do I want to have? I do have an answer. 
um, to that, which is that I want to be a role model to Emerson and Miles for my boys for what it looks like to build an uncommon life. I want to mm. see them. I want to see. I want them to see me work, to see me work out, to see me bring uh, being present and non-judgmental, to see me get things wrong, to be creative, generous, and curious. I want them to be at 18 where I was at 38. I want mm. them to be at 21 where I am at 41. So that's the impact I want to have. Amazing. What's the next question? Because I think that's that's sort of my next answer. What problem do I want to solve? Oh, no, no. Okay. That was it. Okay. I just got so lost in your answer. I complete, <laughs> that's, uh, I love that. Yeah. I love the specificity of it. Yeah. Um, I love that it's impact on the people that mean the most to you. Um, you know, if I think of um, impact, the, 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 when I think of impact and my purpose and what I'm trying to do, it's the thing that I'm doing, which is most closely centered to that. I, I feel like my life has been centered around this thing, mm. which is I want to help others live meaningful, impactful, fulfilled, and passionate lives. Yeah. That's really what I believe. Yeah. It's from, I, I hate this idea of working for a means to an end, going through the motions, the rat on a wheel, um, letting life pass you deferred, by as your deferred, de life. deferred life, yeah. the deferred life or the victim life, or it, it's really, it eats me up because the only thing we have for certainty is this, these moments right now. Mm -hmm. And gosh, what a gift. And why would we throw that away? And um, that's the thing I, I feel, that's the impact I want to have on other people is that uh, ability to, to rise up other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that strikes me, at least that, that lives kind of, cause you asked what the, w that kind of lives in the next question, which is it's what is the problem I want to solve? Um, and there's nothing, certainly nothing wrong with those two things being in many ways, maybe they are. Well, often I think that, so I, I just, I, I think that's narrowing it down. Mm -hmm. So the, the way I look at that question is. Which the problem one. So yeah, the problem. Yep. Which so problem mine is, um, the, the health aspect of it. Got it. Right. It's like. Of the fulfilled lives, what's the thing that's missing the most out of that to me and the thing that I can bring the most value to? It's the health aspect. Yeah. It's we are mind, bodies, and souls, and those are all three things are interconnected. And without a healthy body, you can't have the other things. Mm -hmm. So um, not to say that I'm not interested in the mind or the, the sp soul, spirit, the um your your life essence, your life force, but um the the health one. Five factors health is a big part of what we talk about as one of the frameworks to this fulfilled life. I mm -hmm. believe that it's um, incredibly valuable and it's where um, it's the thing that I would like to help solve. Like I can't solve fulfillment. I don't know how to do that. Right, right. You know, and if I digress my life, maybe I could get a little bit farther along the line, but yeah. the place I feel like I could have the most, um, maybe this is the most impact. Yeah. Um, solving a problem would be the health one. Yeah. It's interesting because your impact answer is very big and then your problem question narrow. That's why, that's why. And I mine's kind of flipped, which is an interesting thing, which is like my impact one is very I, narrow. Yeah. And my problem is actually probably just a bigger version of that. And maybe I'm, I, I'm yeah. But who Because I answered it the other way, like yeah. that's the, so. But it's interesting. My, and I think one of the things yeah. that, as I'm reviewing this now, one of the things that's sitting down and answering these questions all together, not just wandering around the world and like, oh, that could be my definition, but actually putting them down on paper. Maybe it's just me because this is who I am and how I look at things. But you start to be able to weave 
how these things play into each yeah, other. Yeah, it's an interplay between the exactly. It's so not one or the other. You but do need to figure out which one's the sm- the subset of the other. Yeah. you do need to ask that and say which is the, which is the bigger one, which is the problem, which is the impact. Yeah. That um, again, the the totality of the five is the five puzzle pieces, right? And you have to figure out which is a corner piece and which is a centerpiece. Yeah. yeah, and the you know it's it's really interesting. This is this is fun. I'm glad we're we're doing this, but. The the problem, can I if if or in what in what way could I start to solve that problem that could lead me to my own definition of success? Right? These aren't separate. What is my personal Everest? It probably looks like the the pinnacle version of you solving that problem. And if you do that, are you are you moving you towards that definition of success? And your face tells me it's you not. disagree. No, it's okay, just, I, I, mine is, again, I'm trying to come up with these. You've sat with these a lot longer than <laughs> it, I have. It's really fun. So I'm trying to do these in real time. Yeah. And then when I think of Everest, um, <laughs> it, like I, I like the way that you're piecing these together. And if I was to do this again, I would probably have different answers and at least put them maybe in different categories. My Everest is essentially what your impact was. Okay. If I could do this thing, if I like... So what's if I had one thing that like that's why I think of Everest is like what's okay I'm gonna climb the mountain and put my flag on the top like this one singular thing that really narrowed down is essentially doing this for so I I went funnel this way yeah yeah impact is the biggest one problems the next biggest one and then um, the Everest is the smallest one which is essentially before hearing your answer it would have been I want to have as amazing of a relationship with my children that I have right now throughout the entirety of my life. Mm-hmm. When I am mm-hmm. 65 and 85, I want to be as close to, I feel so close to my kids. Like uh, it's a, like the amount of snuggling that we do <laughs> is like, so, it's crazy. And like, I, I feel so, so, so close to them. Um, it's a little bit like of your answer of like, I would love to also be that, teacher where they're farther and like yeah. that mentor and show them what an un- uncommon life looks like. And to them, for them to be at 21, where I am at 41, I love that. And that's kind of my Everest. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I, I, I feel like that's attainable. Um, the impact, I don't know if I'm gonna have that impact mm. and the problem with solve, I don't know if I can solve that problem, but I, if I put my mind to it, I know I could climb Mount Everest. And if I really put this, I really feel like I could do this thing. Yeah, I love that interpretation of the question. I don't. I mean, I'm not at all going to say that it's it's wrong. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's I think that's really cool. But I would still, or would you still connect all of those things back to that definition of success that you have for yourself? Yeah. If I do that again, yes. Did I pro- solve the problem for the entire world? Okay, maybe maybe not. But like, yes. If I live a life in which I am pursuing the these sol- things the all solution. stem up. It's kind of like. To me, it's like the the downward funnel, right? Yeah. The biggest one is success. Yeah. The next one is impact. The next one is what's the problem. The next one is what's your Everest. Yeah. And again, just to bring back what we said before, when you start to line these things up, the decisions that you can make, certainly, maybe that we can argue you should make, begin to at least become a little bit clearer. Because if there's anything that's pushing you out of line with one of, with your answer to one of these questions, the chances of you, again, whichever direction this particular right, funnel right, right, goes... Right you're not going to be in it because the actions you take in pursuit of one of these questions will not move you in any discernible direction towards the actions of the other one. Right. Right. And so just being able to see these as, are these thematically linked for lack of a better way to put it? Do these tell the same kind of story? If I live the rest of my life in accordance to my answers here, 
Am I moving? Is that a life where I was scattered across five, six, seven, 18 different things? Or did I move in unison with my actions, with my intentions, with my decisions in a particular direction, in this direction of success? Yeah, and that um, that five, six, seven different um, places, um, scattering back, backyards of yep. which you're playing the game in. <laughs> yep. um, one side of that could be, I think, it depends on where you are in your life. It could be a little bit of a diversification play, yep. where you don't know yeah. where this is. So I'm going to, uh, you know, continue to live the life of a ski bum mm-hmm. while doing the Peace Corps in the summer and trying to raise a family and see what that looks like. And in your late 20s, early 30s, that might be a really appropriate thing. I think that as um, you get closer and cl- the farther and farther along your life, these things, this should get narrower and yep. narrower and narrower. Yep. I think Otherwise, so. I think you're not necessary. I'm going to pause. I, maybe not. I don't know the answer. I don't know that. Yeah. You know, it, I think that you could probably have a pretty meaningful life. But you could, you could just answer those things differently. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were doing all those five different things that seem um, to the outside person as unlinked, yep. as, as, as siloed, yep. Yep. Um, you might have a different framework mm-hmm. where these things are very um, tied together. Mm-hmm. As long as that they are for you, then I think that that I have a hard time not tying them together when I think yeah. about it. Actually, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't, I don't want to skip the last question because it it's actually I don't have a great answer to this. Which is what was the last one? It's what do I consider to be enough? Oh, but a good so, friend of mine, a, a good buddy, you know, John, he introduced this question to me a couple of years ago, and it's such an I think it's so important to to think about where. I don't know if satisfaction is the right word. Like where, well, the question, what is enough? Like what, in this pursuit, in this chase, in this journey, when will I know that I can, I don't, again, I don't think it's settling, but like, how will I know when I'm going too far? And I think financial, like money is always the, the one of the easiest thing to think about with this question. It's like, how do I know when I've made enough and I can start to, focus on other things or I can say I've got that kind of piece in my life figured out and now like where else needs me I think sometimes it can be really easy to not put the upper bounds on ourselves and just constantly be chasing and constantly be striving for more and more and more and more and I think it's just as important to say like this is where I'm trying to go as it is to say here's how I know when I've gotten it Here's how I know that I've reached what I was trying to reach. My perspective on that is if enough is tied to something financially, Mm -hmm. it never will be. It's like I I use myself as an example is like I can. I can remember the year I made more than I ever thought I would possibly ever make. I didn't go, okay. Yeah. That like immediately, uh, like immediately my, I, I was in a new neighborhood and the perspective was completely changed. And I saw myself as the lowest rung mm. in the new neighborhood. Yep. That's 
Like, I just don't think I, I really, really believe um, if there is some, if the, if, if what we're saying is enough, when will enough be enough? If it, if, if what your mind goes to there is um, a dollar figure, you will, it will never be. Because mm-hmm. if you tell me right now, if I say, what is that number? And you go, well, if I had $10 million, I could live the rest of my life as I want it to be. I can tell you right now that I don't believe you. Because <laughs> once you do that, you've rung up and now you go like, there's this next thing. Mm-hmm. And I just don't believe, I think it's, and the, the answer to this, why I believe the answer is, we as human beings are programmed for it not to be enough. Now, part of that programming really doesn't serve us Mm -hmm. because it distracts us from what we actually want, which is a piece peace of mind. What you really like, you think that you want to, I'm not disparaging you, but you think that you want to be able to spend two or three weeks, two or three months a year traveling around the world. But what you really want is the peace of mind that, which that brings. That's the real thing. Yeah. So the rest is just a, a way to appease that because you believe that if you do that for those two or three months, it'll have the big lag effect afterwards and the big excitement factor beforehand that for six of those months a year, you will live peacefully, like peace of mind. I think that what we need to strive for in terms of what is enough is until here's the until we have peace of mind at all times mm. we're never going to stop striving mm-hmm. well here's the sad punchline we're not going to have peace of mind all the time mm-hmm. because life on planet earth involves struggle and pain and uncertainty it's just a part of being a human being so this is that big disconnect that we have going like, I just need to earn more money so that I can do those things that'll make me feel good at that time. So I can have the boat, so I can do the travel, so I can have the house, so I can have the financial freedom not to have to go to work and do this thing and talk to this person and have these things and this stress when all those things are, are just things that make us feel good. Mm-hmm. Or things that make us feel bad. But even if we eliminate all of those things, those insecurities that you have don't go away. Mm-hmm. That's what eats us up. And we think we can solve it from getting enough mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. So what is enough? It doesn't exist. Because it's not a thing mm-hmm. that we're actually searching for. It's the ability to be able to walk through life navigating the struggles without having them completely derail or destroy us. And the real struggles will do that in the moment. They're going to destroy us. When you, if you, for some horrific reason, outlive your kids, Like there's nothing in the world that's going to ease that pain. Nothing. It's going to be terrible. The worst pain that anybody could possibly imagine. Okay. Guess what? 
That's a, that's a possible reality. Now, the enough is, can we experience that, move past it, and find peace of mind on the other side? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the full life. Mm-hmm. I love that. Is there anything uh, that you would tweak about these questions, that you would add, that you would I say? I think we talked about it? this the last time, which is, I think that the biggest question we should be asking ourselves, be, uh, in addition to these, because I really love these, and that enough one threw me for a loop. Mm. Like, it really did. I, I I was working through that in real time, so I wasn't blabbery. Um, But is the question I think we should always be asking ourselves at all times is, um, is this the best use of my time? Right? So I had the conversation earlier. We just hired a new coach who lived in LA for a while trying to become um, a a Justin Timberlake uh, background dancer. Nice. So very specific. Was, yeah. Yeah. So that's what his, that's what his thing was. So he was he was. I, I'm adding a little flair to that. He wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> Got it. And he okay. mentioned Justin Timberlake. So I'm saying that. But commuting back from work every day was a 90 minute to two hour thing through LA traffic, going five miles an hour, five miles an hour for 90 minutes. He's like in the beginning, every car that got in front of me, I would get like enraged and pissed off, like. The car in front of you doesn't care or know anything about you being pissed. Is that the best use of your time? Like you being upset at the, is that the best use of your time at that moment? Because when you have anger, bitterness, spite, jealousy, or other things, you're drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what that is. So this is definitely not the best. And cool enough he he reframed it by listening to the podcast during those commutes. And he became this place, well, this is not the best use of my time, spending 90 minutes being enraged. Mm-hmm. This is my reality of which I am. This is what I'm doing. And he used the time very, very productively. That's a little microcosm. If we could bring that perspective to the totality of our existence here, what is the best use of our time? Let's maximize these minutes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be, to sit on the couch with your kids and watch um, a cartoon on Netflix. That might be the thing. But let's be intentional with it. We will get back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, Blue Chew. Gentlemen, sex may not be the most important element of a romantic relationship, but there is no question that it is an essential ingredient to a strong, deep, and healthy partnership. Blue Chew wants to make sure you are at your best so you can create the connection you want. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you are approved, you will receive your prescription within days. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the U.S. and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you are not showing up for your relationship in this important way, it's time to stop pretending it doesn't matter or that there's nothing you can do about it. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code excellence at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Use the promo code excellence to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. 
we are going to do, jump into a quick shout out. Shout out is just when we take a YouTube comment, a note that we've received, a podcast review, and just uh, give it a little bit of space. If you haven't yet, um, it's always helpful to leave us a review uh, wherever you are listening to this. Uh, it lets uh, our algorithm overlords know that this show is worth showing to more people. Uh, all right. This is from Coach Crosby on Apple Podcasts. He or she says, this is a wonderful podcast for any listener to consider how they, they can improve in any foundational aspect of life. It's on my schedule to listen to every week. And I love the new format. It's refreshing and it shows both of you are open to evolving in growth. Thank you, Ben and Patrick, for taking the time each week to share your insights and your knowledge. Thanks, Coach. Coach Crosby. Coach right. C. Uh, cool down. As we have done in the past and as we are going to continue to do, uh, we're going to introduce a new monthly challenge. I thought really hard about this one. Let's go. Because I wanted to do something that like I that actually is going to challenge me. And maybe challenge you, actually. It's a better question to you. Um, so the, here's the challenge. We're going to commit to cooking one new meal every week. New meal? New meal. Like it, like it can't be Taco Tuesday because you're good at Taco Tuesday. I'm raising my hand because that's me. That's it. So – it's only four new meals over the course of a month. So my first question to you, and part of me, partly I ask, I, oh my God, I think I about the this. same thing every I week. I know you do. Partly, I this is selfish for me because I've I've I'm trying to be more useful uh, at the in, <laughs> at home. So I've told my wife like I'll do dinners like whatever the two nights are, two nights a week. Like I, I got it. And uh, last Sunday, which was like literally the beginning of our like me taking over Sunday dinners, I just completely forgot. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm doing this for myself to get myself on the hook to, uh, to be more, because one new, one new meal. meal. So find a meal, cook a meal. Then I guess you should eat the meal, but, or at least give it to somebody else. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Do you and cook? Do you cook? I mean, I know like I reheat paleo power meals <laughs> or, or I eat what Heather's provided. Yeah. yeah that's kind which of, is also kind reheating paleo yeah. power meals. <laughs> I challenge both of you to cook a, a whole new, brand new meal. We um, we cook dinner probably realistically four nights a week. Yeah. Um, I think we're – yeah, probably four nights a week. Mm -hmm. Probably Sunday, Monday. It's Sunday through Wednesday. Yep. Thursday, we try to do date nights. Yep. And then the weekends are just – they're the weekends. Yeah. Um, I'll actually take the back. Wednesdays, we don't do it because Bodhi has practiced until eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So last night I ate my dinner in my car <laughs> at his practice. Yep. Um, but Heather's been pretty good at, at cooking meals. Um, that's going to be a challenge. All right, let's do it. There you go. All right. I'll do Sundays. <laughs> so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends. Thank Damn you, for, you Patrick. <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for your reading, ratings and your reviews. If you like this show or this episode or any other episode, please do share it with a friend, a stranger at the grocery store, your neighbor, whatever. Uh, it helps. I'm really liking how you like are finding different people. <laughs> every time. people I love, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last time it was a cousin. Now yeah. it's a stranger, but not a stranger. Stranger at the no. grocery store. It's very specific. Yes, I feel like we're watching. This, this. is a new it's challenge. Form of like impractical. This challenge. is a new. It's a new challenge. I'm going to tell you one new person. Yes. Okay. Anyways, thank you everybody out there. Uh, ben and I will be back for a new episode of Chasing Excellence next week.